0: The NFL's opening week was absolutely Action-packed And fans, it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want even more action? Then get in on the experience, the thrill of the DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10, at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that promo code AOD to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code AOD, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply if you or someone you know has a gambling problem. Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. 1-800- STEP in Arizona or 1-800- 522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 877-HOPE-NY in New York. opgr.org dot Oregon. Call text Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789 or one 888 To 3,500 in Virginia. Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment presented by DraftKings. Folks, you just gotta love after a week of brutal defeats when you do just enough winning over the course of Championship Weekend. And again, I mean just enough winning to be enticed back into the game, enticed into making selections for another week in the professional tennis world. Of course, that's our plan here at Cracked Rackets to offer you all previews of all of the action happening across levels in the professional tennis world. If you thought last week was busy on this podcast, just wait till you get a listen to the events we have happening this week in the professional tennis world. It's one of those weeks where it will be damn near impossible, even for me, who spends all day watching and monitoring the action happening across levels in the tennis world, to try and watch every match that occurs in any given day why is it so difficult to do that this week? Well, just listen to the events we have on hand in the professional tennis world. Let's just start at the tour level. For the WTA, you've got the 500 action in Tokyo. Of course, that event Features players like Naomi Osaka, Beatrice Haddad Maya, Ludmilla Samsonova, Elena Rabakina. I could go on and on and on. Paula Bedosa, Junction Wen. Countless top 50 players in the world participating in that action in Tokyo. Certainly makes that event quite appealing from a name brand standpoint. Of course, the action continues at the tour level for the women in Seoul. You've got a WTA 250 event there, a WTA 125K. In Budapest as well, of course. On the men's side, you've got two ATP 250s happening this week. You've got the action in San Diego. You've got the action happening over in Metz, France, as well. You've got five more ATP challengers this week. After a week that saw four ATP challengers, no, 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 that wasn't enough, folks. We had to raise the number to five ATP challengers this week. Of course, you've also got 11 women's ITF events, 11 men's ITF events. I believe four of those events, two for the men, two for the women, happening here in the United States this week. And oh, by the way, I heard this Swiss guy who's done a thing or two in the professional tennis world. Is it Roger Federer? Is it Roger Federer? Um, oh yeah, Roger Federer. That's his name. He's also ending his career this week at the Laver Cup. That action starting Friday, carrying through Sunday. So the point is, and I think you can hear it in the speed of my voice, we got a lot to cover this week on this GSP Ace of the Day segment. As And as we attempt to do, excuse me, each and every day here on this show what you listeners can expect from me is my best attempt to try and preview again what is a week with four tour level events Six challengers for the men and women So we'll say 10 events We'll be monitoring most closely With all due respect to those ITFs Which I will be watching But probably not talking about much on this segment But 10 events for us Whether it's with our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook Whether it's you as a tennis fan On the various streams You monitor throughout the course of the day 10 events I want to focus on here Even saying that number out loud feels ridiculous But let's try it one more time 10 events total here this week For us to monitor on this Ace of the Day segment, of course, what I'll try to do is offer you winners throughout the course of this week. Of course, on our last segment, we went two and zero. As I offered you a couple of winners, Linda Fruvertova did indeed pull off the upset to capture her first WTA Tour level title in Chennai. And then, shout out to a couple of favorites: Radu elbot Quarantine Moutet, delivering us—excuse delivering us, me—an all favorites moneyline parlay victory in there championship Sunday wins as well. So, a little bit of momentum. We were still down last week, but ju- down just under 2 units overall. I'm not even going to talk about the overall win-loss record because in the end it's all about the money, baby, right? And we're still a little bit down Coming off of last week, but far less down than we feared we might be after what was it, an 0-6, 0-7 start to this Ace of the Day segment. Nevertheless, we persevere. We keep things glass half full here at Crack Rackets. And again, my job here on today's show to play catch up a little bit. Talk about the action we've got unfolding over the next 24 hours as our Crack Rackets team returns to a normal schedule this week. and by that I mean for those of you who don't already know, we are currently in Waco, Texas doing a little bit of work for the Baylor Athletic Department. But as soon as we are back in Indianapolis, which we will be by Thursday morning, we'll try to have a more normal schedule for these podcasts, a more regulated schedule, I should say for all of you listeners. In the meantime, I'm just trying to pod whenever I have a free 30 minutes hour on the schedule to try and ensure all of you listeners uh, keep getting the information that you need to stay the most well-educated, best-informed fans in the tennis world. That said, again, going to try and focus in particular on the next 24 hours here on this show, and I am recording this at 8.42 p.m. Tuesday night, Waco, Texas time. I believe that's 9.42 on the East Coast. At worst, it's 10.42 on the East Coast, but I'm pretty sure it's only a one-hour difference between Waco and the East Coast of the United States. Nevertheless, the matches I am focusing Focusing on Here on today's segment are the matches that are happening over the next 24 hours. So according to the DraftKings Sportsbook, if your match begins on Thursday, I am not discussing you here on today's show. Now, your match may begin very late Tuesday night, even Waco, Texas time. Your match may begin very early Wednesday morning or even later on Wednesday, uh, according to the DraftKings Sportsbook. All of those matches were eligible for my picks today, but... Again, the focus of this segment really going to try to be not futures bets, not projecting beyond just the next 24 hours of tennis. As again, we've got 10 events to monitor here uh, throughout the course of the week. With that said, of course, a shout out as always to our friends at DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook for their continued support of this podcast, finally affording us the resources here at CR to provide the sort of daily podcast episodes we have always driven to provide to tennis fans across the globe. Of course, a shout-out, as always, to Super Producer Daniel Westhoff on the ones and twos. Somehow finds times to edit everything we're doing here this week here at Crack Rackets, the best in the business. But with that said, I got two aces for you over the next 24 hours. Two matches I'm feeling particularly confident in, and I will say, looking at tomorrow's board of matches, I don't know how much I would be putting on these early wagers at these events. And the reason I say that is, again... Post US Open, things always get a little bit funky. This is that time in the calendar when those young players who have been eyeing to make a breakthrough at the tour level, or perhaps those older players who have significantly struggled throughout the course of the season. This is where they try to make their moves, respectively. And so you never know whether it was an Hugo Humbert last week getting hot in France and you know riding this wave of challenger success after losing, I think it was eight of his first twelve matches of this twenty twenty-two season season, whether it is someone like Alinda Fruvertova, who is thriving and continue to thrive last week in what has clearly been a breakthrough campaign for her in 2022. Who are the players like that we should be keeping an eye on this week? That's something certainly that's going to factor into my thinking as I make my picks. But Again, big picture, just a little bit of advice from—or not advice, a little bit of an opinion, I suppose, from me to all of you listeners. I'm keeping the units extraordinarily low, and honestly, if I haven't watched a player play with my own two eyes by Wednesday night, Thursday night, I I don't know if I'm going to wager on them because again there's a lot of matches to be played a lot of appetizing face value ooh this sounds like a good this wager sounds too good to lose and of course that's where our friends at DraftKings get you so with that said let's get into it want to offer my two aces want to try and look at the board but of course when we've got ten matches it's going to be more of a rapid fire look at the board today than anything else let's start though with ace number one, and I mentioned that category of player, like an Ugo Umber, who struggled so mightily earlier this season, but now has found his rhythm over the course of the last six to eight weeks. Who are the players like Umber, who right now, with this portion of the calendar, you know, being outdoor, indoor hard courts, being opportunities to play these tour-level events, you know, who is looking to make a significant push up the rankings in this portion of the year. Dare I say, who does this portion of the calendar still matter to at this point of the season? Because with all due respect to, like, an Igo Sviantek, right? Does this portion of the calendar matter to her? No, absolutely not. Two slam titles. She's clinched world number one. She has done everything she's wanted to do here in this 2022 season. On the flip side, how about someone like Carolina Pliskova? who of course has played significantly better tennis of late and big picture has definitely made a micro push down the home stretch of this 2022 season. But I would argue that this portion of the calendar still varies. Much matters to Karolina Pliskova, who, of course, finds herself as the number six seed this week in Tokyo. Pliskova off to a strong start. Didn't serve her best, but fought off the one break point she faced. Won 88% of her first serve points, despite it being on just a 54.3% first serve percentage clip. Uh, earned a dominant straight set win over Shinikova, 2-1 in round number one. You look for the sixth seeded Karolina Pliskova. Obviously, was an extraordinarily slow start. To her 2022 season, you look through the first six months of the year, she made just two quarterfinals. Made a semifinal in Strasbourg, a quarterfinal in Berlin. That was it to the start of the North American hardcourt stretch. But you look at her since the calendar turned to August, even in San Jose, a second-round loss in three sets to Amanda Nisimova. She performed particularly well, and of course, she carried that momentum to Toronto, where not only did she get a little revenge over Anisimova, but really impressive wins over Sakari, Jung-Chin Wen, Krachikova, and Nisimova before getting knocked out by Haddad Maya in the semifinals. Now, she lost the very next week, second round in Cincinnati, but we're going to throw that out, call it a schedule loss. The most encouraging thing was seeing her take her level into the U.S. Open, seeing her ride that momentum from Toronto into the year's final slam. And you look for Pliskova, who earned three three-set victories, three hard-fought three-set victories on her way to the U.S. Open quarterfinals. Good wins in each of her matches. Magdalene Linda Bencic, Victoria Azarenka, all three set victories. Of course, Lynette reached a final last week, so that victory has aged in value. I don't think I need to make the pitch for why the Bencic-Azarenka wins were impressive, but how about her 3-2 and two win was probably her best win in New York over, I don't want to say one of the breakthrough stars, but a player who has clearly made a jump this season in Marie Bouskova. You look for Carolina Pliskova now. Here in 2022, she's 20 and 15 overall on the season, but you look for her now again, since the start of San Jose, I mentioned those 20 wins, let's see two plus four is five, plus one is six, plus another four is nine. Ten of her 20 wins have come since August 1st. So in six weeks, she matched what she did through the first six months of this 2022 season. And of course, again, you look for Carolina Pliskova. Injuries absolutely played a factor in her early season struggles, wasn't able to have the preseason she was looking for, wasn't able uh, to you know, again, acclimate herself as she most usually does at the start of the season, whether it be during the Middle East run, during the Australian Open, just in that opening hard court swing, we know we're usually going to get a big Carolina Pliskova result. But, I mean, again, you talk about the transformation for her since August 1st and how some of the numbers have shifted, and I was wrong. She was 9-11 and through the first three, four months of the season, 11-4. and since the start of August. Her first serve win percentage, up 4.5%. Her second serve win percentage, perhaps even more encouragingly, up 6% overall. She's also winning 2.4% more of her return points. She's winning more free points with her first serve as well. You look at the ace percentage, it's increased. I mean, again, and the strength of schedule. Those 11 victories, Azarenka, Benchich, Sakari, Anisimova, Jung Chin Wen, Buzkova, all a part of those 11 wins. It's not as though she's built back up her resume on a cupcake schedule. Carolina Pliskova has started to play the tennis that brought her to world number one back in 2017. Maybe not quite that good, but that, you know, again, 85% of that, where she is starting to serve uh, and uh, dominantly and able to follow that up with confident plus one tennis because she is serving so confidently that allows her to be a little bit more of a risk taker on the return of serve. And again, 30 years old, the thing that encourages me most about Karolina Pliskova right now is the fact that she seems to be moving as well as she is, match in, match out. And I don't have a stat to quantify that with, unfortunately. That comes from the good old eye test. And I'm telling you, anyone who has watched Carolina Pliskova play particularly over these last two months, go listen back to our U.S. Open pods, how I continually fawned over the fact that it really did feel like she had more time in the outer thirds with how fluidly she was moving, but look, she's got a tough matchup tomorrow, as she's going to take on a 31-18 this season, Petra Martic. Martic has also played particularly of well since the start of the summer after reaching the fourth round in Wimbledon for Martic. She wins the title in Lausanne quarterfinals in Warsaw. Pretty impressive third-round appearance for her at the U.S. Open. That saw her knock out Paula Bedosa, Vavara Gracheva, uh, top 100, top 10 player Obviously, in the case of Badosa top 100 and Graceva, you look for Martich, though, here in the 2022 season, 10-9 and 9 overall on hard courts, and four of those 10 wins came on her way, her run to the Indian Wells quarterfinals. Now, why do I bring that up? Well, Petra Martich historically has been an exceptional clay court player. The slower the court, the better the Petra. She is one of those elite athletes, and I don't say that word lightly. On the WTA tour, her ability to extend points physically, track down that extra ball. You can just look at her biceps when she walks onto the court. I mean, she's jacked. Like, I think all of us would trade our arms for Petra Martic's arms at any given moment. And again, her backhand slice will make opponents uncomfortable. That forehand's a little bit whippy, but there's fun action on that ball, and she uses her first step, her quickness so well to close the net. And, you know, again, she'll throw in the chip and charge. She'll put you in uncomfortable positions. That said, again, for Martich, 31-18 and 18 overall, 10-9. and 9. Overall on hard courts this season, and you know, you look for Martic against top 50 opponents here this year. She's actually a pretty respectable 12 and 8 overall, 5 and 5 when it comes to hard court play. Four of those five wins, of course. Again, coming back at Indian Wells, you also look for her since the start of the 2020 season. Uh, Petra Martic, 8 and 15 overall against top 50 opponents on hard courts, and you know, I just think. Pliskova and other top 50 opponents on these hard courts have the sort of weapons that just disrupt the rhythm of Petrid Martic. It's really difficult to hit a slice backhand return when the ball's coming at you 110 miles per hour on the serve. It's really difficult to sneak your way forward to the net and hit the chip and charge when, again, you've got these aggressive baseliners swinging freely at you with their feet planted. Similarly, if you leave a slice short because it's concrete, Under their feet, it's just a little bit easier for most, if not all, players to move forward and be aggressive in taking that Petra Martic slice early and on the rise. It's it's bounce of that slice a little bit more advantageous on a hard court, certainly for her opponents, than uh, it would be on the clay courts. I just think it's a bad matchup for Petra Martic in this instance, and I do think Karolina Pliskova played well enough in round number one and has played well enough over the course of the past two months that. She should be a bigger favorite than she is, according to oddsmakers. You look for Carolina Pliskova tomorrow, minus 200. What am I missing? Shouldn't that number be minus 250, minus 300? I think the fact that we can get her at minus two and a half games tomorrow, at minus 155, you know, that feels like a bargain. And I honestly feel like you could throw it up to the three and a half games for Pliskova, minus 120 overall, and still feel pretty confident in your wager, but... We're going to lay a little bit more juice, and we're going to buy the extra game. So we'll take Pliskova minus two and a half games over Petra Martic tomorrow. Minus 155 odds, 1.55 units to win one in return. Worth noting, Pliskova, 2-0 against Martic in her career beater. 3-2 and and 3-4, and both of those matches coming on hard courts. I apologize if you just heard the air conditioning kick on in my hotel room. That seems to be happening you know, you get those bursts of air every 10 to 15 minutes. I tried to turn it off before the start of this show. Nevertheless, if you hear that in the background, I do apologize. I've spent enough time talking about that, though, and talking about Ace of the Day. Number one, I like the power tennis, the recent form of Petra Martic. Stats say so. Eye test says so. Historical results against her opponents say so. We'll buy the extra game, but we'll take Pliska minus two and a half games as opposed to the minus 200 money line. Minus 155, 1.55 units to win one in return that's ace of the day number one ace of the day number two another player who I think has started to play better and better down the home stretch of this 2022 season of course I'm referring to Sebastian Corda, who has certainly had a streakier run here in 2022 probably his hottest and you know the season where he's run most hot and most cold throughout the course of his young early career but you look for Sebi Korda, pretty comfortable 3-6 and six victory in round number one over Hugo Gaston in France this week. You look for Corda, who really does need some victories. You know, again, he's on the precipice of falling outside the top 50 to end the year. Now, again, for Corda, 24-17, and 17, you win 60% of your matches overall in a season, particularly in a year where you turn 22 years old halfway through. I don't think there's anything to complain if you're Sebi Corda. You made third-round roll on Garros, and, you know— uh, one matches at the U.S. Open, Australian Open this year. Didn't play Wimbledon, but one match. So one matches at all three slams that you played. But you know, what's the definitive run we're going to remember this season from Sebastian Corda? What's the definitive victory he earned this year? There's really two I think that come to mind. First round Australian Open, first match of the season to watch him blitz Cam Norrie the way that he did three zero and four. I mean, again, you have to be a a huge tennis nerd to be like, what's your defining match? Oh, it was round one at the first slam you played of the season. But how definitive that upset was. Corda didn't – excuse me, Norrie didn't play poorly. Corda just kicked his ass. Um you know, there's that run, but of course he loses third round in that event. You have him beating Alcaraz in Monte Carlo, three sets. I think a lot of us remember that match, even if he was ultimately knocked out by Fritz in this following round. I think a lot of us remember his three-set loss, 7-6 in the third, to Rafa at Indian Wells uh, earlier this year. I mean, outside of that, though, like, again, we're talking about first rounds and quarterfinals. He hasn't made a final this season, has Sebi Korda. And in fact, he's only made three quarterfinals overall in the year. So you know who's looking to change the narrative of their 2022 season, get the big W, get the big momentum result heading into 2023? It's got to be the 22-year-old Sebi Corda, who I think has gotten better at certain things this year. I think physically and we talked to him in Cincinnati, he mentioned he's now lifting weights and starting to get stronger and starting to get a little bit faster, starting to fill out his body now that he has gotten a little bit healthier. I think he's returning serve pretty well. I think his speed in the uh, his adjustment to the speed of the professional game, his adjustment to the speed and pace of the typical baseline rally has also gotten better and the stat that manifest that improvement would be his break percentage. He's now breaking serve 29% of the time this season for what it's worth. Yes, that is a top 10 number amongst top 50 ATP players, and that 29% happens to rank sixth amongst top 50 players, not just like, you know, again, he has been one of the best returners in pro tennis this season. The serve has been surprising. He's only holding 77.4% of the time. That's almost 5% lower. Than the average of a top fifty player, and for a guy who's six foot five, sometimes six foot six, if he wakes up on the right side of the bed, who has that, such natural pop on his ground strokes, and whose first serve clearly shows the potential. 2 be elite, his 6.9% ace percentage but you know, above the average of a top 50 player. It's just he double faults a little bit more than your average top 50 player as well. That second serve, particularly attackable. He's winning just 48.7% of his second serve points this season. You know, again, Indoor hard courts, though, in France feels like the perfect cure for a Sebi Corda who has not served his best this year. And you know what else is a pretty nice cure? To play a guy with a one-handed backhand who struggles on quick surfaces, and that's precisely what he's got in Lorenzo Musetti. Look, Musetti's been way better to end the season than anyone's given him credit for. And yeah, we all remember his run beating Alcaraz, Davidovich Fokina on the way to the Hamburg title, but he's been a pretty good hard court summer. Qualifies in Cincinnati. Third round U.S. Open. You know, again, for a guy who in his career at the ATP level, you look for Lorenzo Musetti now overall, still 49 and 46 overall, but 19 and 25 on hard courts. For him to go, what, you know, the two qualifying wins at Cincinnati, so 6 and 3 overall during the hard court summer, I don't think that's anything to scoff at. I actually think that is a sign of improvement for the 20 year old, but. Again, on this surface, indoor hard courts for uh, Musetti, who has played Corda once on an indoor hard court. It was back at the next-gen finals last season, for what it's worth. Corda, a 4-2, 4-3, 4-2 win over Musetti at the time. Obviously, slightly different format. Going to be used in France this week. But I just like the, you know, again, backhand to backhand. And Lorenzo Musetti loves hitting that one-handed backhand. I'd still give the advantage to uh, Seppi Corda in just terms of how well he drives that ball. Yes, Musetti's got the speed. He's got the short angles. He's got the drop shots, the things to force Sebastian Corda to have to hit the ball outside of his strike zone, which is where Corda can struggle for time to time. But again, on an indoor hard court, this particular matchup, the Corda served to the Musetti forehand over and over again, him leaving that ball short, presenting opportunities for Corda to continue to attack. I just love this matchup for Seppi Korda. And you look for him tomorrow, according to our friends at DraftKings. Korda, a minus 235 money line favorite. How can we extract a little value out of that? Well, if you want to go to minus three and a half games, you can get him at minus 120 tomorrow, much like Carolina Pliskova. We're going to buy that extra game, though, and do the exact same thing. I think Korda wins this match, I think he wins it in straight sets, and I don't think he wins it 7-6, 7-6. So if all three of those conditions are true, then Seppi corda should cover a two and a half game spread. And if you take the minus two and a half games, uh, Sepi Korda minus 155 overall in that nature. um, Yeah, that's uh pretty, you know, again, that's just on the cusp of, is that too much juice to lay? Is that the right amount of juice to lay? We're going to lay it anyways. We'll take Korda, minus two and a half games over Musetti. I just, again, I like the matchup for him. Minus 155, 1.55 units to win one in return. Now, for what it's worth, you can parlay Pliskova and Corda 170 odds. I had that as my original ace of the day. I just wanted to offer two to you to spread the love, but that's how you really extract value out of these minus two and a half game spreads. That said... Those are my only two aces of the day. Simply put, the rest of the board is intimidating to me. I like a lot of underdogs on the day. Claire Lou 190 against a perennially struggling this season. Elisa Mertens, a rising Emma Navarro. I think her forehand's the biggest weapon on the court against Lauren Davis. Navarro, plus 145. Lou, by the way, plus 190 again. But Navarro, who's been so good, At the 75K, 125k level since turning pro and leaving the University of Virginia, where by the way, she's been the best player in college tennis for the past two years. No disrespect to you, Peyton Stearns. Lauren Davis hits the ball bigger than you think, but Emma Navarro is also a way better athlete than you think. Like she doesn't she's not gonna have elite quick twitchiness. She's not gonna have elite weapons, but Whenever anyone, whenever someone asks me, how do you describe Emma Navarro's game, I always say she's just one shot better than you. And I just think she's one shot better than Lauren Davis tomorrow. So, Emma Navarro plus 145. I do ask if someone listens to this podcast, Here's that prediction, it comes true. Please let me know as I'll be busy in Waco tomorrow, but if the tweet would be, you were right, Alex, Emma Navarro, one shot better than Lauren Davis. And then, you know, you're quote tweeting, whatever the live tennis result score was on Twitter. So let me know if that comes to fruition or on the flip side, let me know why I'm an idiot. Once again, on this moment, you know, some other dogs I like, Benjamin Bonzi plus 105 over Hugo Umbert. Umbert has been excellent on the challenger circuit over the past two months but you know who built a top 50 ranking off of challenger level success Benjamin freaking Bonzi so give me Bonzi plus 105 after I'm Bears played a lot of tennis over the course of the past week Mikhail Emer 125 against Adrian Manorino I mean again like what does Manorino do to hurt Emer Eamer the lefty Manorino into the backhand of Emer, which is his stronger wing in my opinion I really like that matchup you know some negligible favorites in essentially toss-up matches. Graber minus minus one thirty, Ota minus one twenty. I think they're all fascinating, and then you know you start to get to the stayaways. I want you know, some of the women's matches tomorrow. Rabakina, Samsonova. Power tennis at its finest. Samsonova's been better of late. Are you really going to bet against Rubakina though, after she makes the final last week and still feels like she's got a little bit to prove this season as well? That's a stay away from me. I'm taking the over 2.5 at plus 140 for what it's worth. Samsonova, actually the slightest of favorites right now, minus 175. I mean, Jung Chin Wen has been better since the French Open, then Paula Bedosa. I'll challenge anyone who disagrees with me on that statement. I'm not going to prove it to you all right now because that would probably be a waste of a minute. I don't know anyone who's saying, hey, you know, I was arguing with my friends that Jung Chin-wen had a better season than Paula Bedosa thus far, and they didn't believe me. Alex, do you mind giving me the minute segment I need so I can prove it to them? If you need that, again... Tweet at me, at A.L. Gruskin. That will be a segment I owe to all of you listeners later this week. But I'm back in Junction Chin Wen. Staying away from the match, over two and a half sets, plus 145 would be my actual wager. I do think Jung Wen sneaks it out, and as does the betting public, at minus 120. After that, Mertens, again, minus 240 over Claire Liu. That's a stay away. Kudermatova comfortable over Contreras. But how about Osaka versus Haddad Maya? Minus 125, Osaka somehow the favorite, even though Haddad Maya has clearly had the better 2022 season. Yeah, I don't want any part of that, or if I do, I'm taking the over two and a half sets in that instance, of course. Again, the other matchups you've got going on in Seoul, Linda Fruvertova coming off of her first title. She'll take on Yanina Vickmeyer. Maybe lean Vickmeyer, the emotional hangover for Fruvertova. Maybe you take the over two and a half sets, but that's a stay away from me. Blinkova, Gracheva, pick them. Uh, Tatiana Maria, that's a fun player. How about Emma Raducanu, who's going to kick off her action tomorrow as well. She's taking on Ujijima, uh, the qualifier. You've got top seed Alexandrova in action as well. Rebecca Marino would be my dark horse uh, to take the title in Seoul. She's played particularly well, has the big hitting Canadian over the course of the past few months. But again, that's your WTA action happening in Seoul. I mentioned there's the 125K happening this week in Budapest as well. I mean, again, good luck monitoring all the action. A lot of matches for fun. You're going to have to pick and choose, folks. Hopefully, you've heard some of the matches I've referred to. I think tomorrow on the men's side, Stevie Johnson versus Alejandro Tabilo. Don't count the lefty out against Stevie J, even though it's a Southern California match. Stevie J, the king of Southern California. Tennis lefty into the Johnson backhand, though. Tabilo with the big serve that he does. Plus 140, there's a little value there, but we here at Crack Rackets will never bet against the greatest college tennis player of all time. Hoosler, the bigger serve. Daniel Galan, the better player. That's minus 120. Hoosler's a favorite, but it's essentially even odds. And then keep an eye on Thomas Martin Echeverry. Hasn't had the most hard court success, but plus 275 against Marcos Giron tomorrow. That's a fun match in San Diego to keep an eye on, of course. As I mentioned in Mets tomorrow, you know, Gasquet team, essentially even money line. That's a stay away for me. Uh, Sosa versus Wawrinka. I think Sosa plus 150 is probably the better play there. When was the last time Stan won multiple matches at the ATP level? Even coming through qualifying this week, when was the last time he won multiple matches in a single given week? I'd keep your eye on Sosa, even though more than anything, that match is a stay away for me. And then again, so much challenger action. Columbus, a lot of college guys in play. Berkeley, 60k on the women's side. Even the Fayetteville Futures event. I mean. It's a jam-packed week of professional tennis. We got plenty of action here to discuss this week on this show, and that's our plan, of course, throughout the course of the rest of the week. Hopefully, I'll be more organized moving forward, but my plan to enjoy. Everything that is this home stretch of the 2022 season. Of course, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the fuck vanity job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. Shout out as well to our friends at DraftKings. Learn more by clicking on the description to this podcast. But with that said, for our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings. And from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Our picks for the next 24 hours. Pliskova, minus two and a half games over Martic 155, 1.55 units to win one in return. Korda, minus two and a half games over Musetti, minus 155, 1.55 units to win one in return. With that said, you know what we say, may the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone.